Welcome to Aches and Gains, a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, pain specialist at the Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine. Pain has reached epidemic proportions, and chronic pain affects a staggering 25% or more of the population. Its human impact is real and is felt by infants, children, all the way to older adulthood. But there's hope and there's treatment. This show offers compelling stories of those who found relief and offers insight into treatments that can ease pain and human suffering. Today, we talk about post-herpetic neuralgia, a chronic painful condition that can affect patients who've had shingles. Shingles, also known as herpes zoster, is a painful blistering skin rash caused by the varicella zoster virus, which is the virus that causes chickenpox. In some cases, shingles can damage the nerves in the area where the rash occurs, resulting in post-herpetic neuralgia. These damaged nerves continue to send pain signals to the brain long after recovery. The pain ranges from mild to very severe and can last months or even years, and the risk of developing post-herpetic neuralgia increases as we age. Our first guest is a patient of mine, Hacky Clark, who tells us firsthand how shingles and, most importantly, post-herpetic neuralgia has changed his life. Dr. Michael Oxman from the University of California, San Diego, then describes who's at risk for post-herpetic neuralgia, how best to treat the pain, and the value of getting the shingles vaccine. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, Endo Pharmaceuticals, Neurogesics, and Boston Scientific. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at DRPaulCristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Hacky Clark is a successful estate attorney in Baltimore, Maryland. He's a partner in the law firm Clark & Howe and has a 30-year history of estate planning, taxation, and trusts. He's also a patient of mine who suffers from post-herpetic neuralgia, which is chronic pain from shingles. He's here in the studio to share his experience with the impact of post-herpetic neuralgia on his life. Hacky, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. When you first came to me as a patient, you showed me four striking pictures, and I have them, and I'd like you to describe to us what you see and what you felt at the time. And here they are. Oh, yeah. The, the shingles started in July of 2008. By the beginning of August, my forehead started oozing what looked like butterscotch. Wow. My eye started to disappear because the swelling was so big. Both eyes or just one eye? First, it was just the eye on the side that was affected. Because the shingles, there was a straight line, as if you took a ruler down my forehead, where it did not cross. And so the right eye started to swell around it and disappear. Initially, my whole head swelled, so I couldn't get my glasses on. It then went from the butterscotch-looking ooze to uh, what looked like scabs. By this time, my right eye was completely sealed. You couldn't. You didn't know I had an eye behind the skin. So you couldn't open your eye at all. There was. I, if, if it was open, it, it was a, the the skin had swollen so much that it swelled over top of the eye. So you, so you could not see my eye, and I couldn't see. And then my left eye swelled shut. So for about a week and a half, I could see nothing. Hmm. Um, 
then it turned into this scab-like phase, which the dermatologist told me was gangrene, which scared the hell out of me because only gangrene I know is in the movies where they chop it off. Um, <laughs> and so what he told me, he told my partner, who was very, very loyal through this whole process, to go and get little fingernail scissors and drop them in alcohol and then cut the scabs off with the fingernail scissors, which freaked him out. Why did he ask you to do that? They thought it would make the, the head look better when it ultimately disappeared. It took these pictures. I mean, the, the trans, uh, they're one where... One eye is completely shut. I remember I had to go to a funeral that day. It, it debilitated me. It kept me from work. It hurt like hell. Were you self-conscious? Very. <laughs> I mean... It, it looked terrible. Oh, well, I mean, Hacky, were you concerned that your appearance from the shingles might affect your career? If this did not heal, it was going to affect... Just my appearance was going to affect mm -hmm. so much of my job. Yeah. I was considered very lucky and I was told that, that, and it's true, that for the most part, you can't tell to look at me that I went through this. What I didn't realize was that it was gonna continue to hurt. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. When we come back, we'll ask Hacky to talk about the painful sensations and unexpected duration of post-traumatic neuralgia. Aches and Gains is sponsored by King Pharmaceuticals, a leading pharmaceutical company focused in specialty-driven markets, including pain management, and dedicated to improving and protecting quality of life for people around the world. Follow us on Twitter at DRPaulCristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. Welcome back to Aches and Gains. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. We're speaking with Hacky Clark, who's a patient of mine who suffers from post-traumatic neuralgia. Hacky, tell us what that shingles pain was like. I tell you, I think the pain I have now is worse. Um, In what way, though? Was it burning? Was it a dull ache? What was it like? At the time with the, the outbreak, it was more, it was sore, it was tender, and in times, itchy. I had heard people say, shingles is so painful, you'll never believe it. And when I was doing in that phase, I'm thinking, this isn't so bad. Mm-hmm. What I didn't expect was the pain afterwards. As you know, when I go to see you, there is a checklist that says, describe your pain. And every time, I've hit every one of them except one. And it's, does it burn? Yes, sometimes. Does it ache? Yes, sometimes. Does it throb? Does it sear? Does it, uh, like a lightning strike of pain? Mm -hmm. it, it's as if it has its own mind. When did you realize that the pain from the acute episode of shingles was not getting better. I mean, how many weeks or months after the outbreak? All right, it started in July, probably by September or October, and it really came because I was talking to other people that I knew who had had shingles, who had said, I didn't feel anything by this time. Now I look at myself and I'm jerking because the, the pains are sharp or hot or burning or whatever, and I don't see the reason is when I start to learn what the reason is. Did you have friends at that time, or even today, or family members who say, Hacky, can the pain really be that bad? They're not friends or family members <laughs> if they say that. To be honest, they get jettisoned. By Halloween, October 31, I was, at that point, taking a, well, it was fentanyl with a patch mm -hmm. that I was so drugged. I didn't hurt. Didn't hurt. Um, so it relieved your pain, you're saying? 
Well, the pain was no longer around, yeah. It, from the fentanyl. From, from the fentanyl and neurotin. And I, I mean, I, we had this whole sort of cocktails. I was taking pills like mad. Um, and again, taking them because they were saying, here, try these. These will help. Maybe this will work. Maybe this will do something. Take this, you know, antidepressant, maybe Wellbutrin will help. Um, that what it did is I wound up one night sitting in bed, reading Harry Potter, weeping. Mm. And Peter came in and said, "Okay, this this is not working. This is, and I and I couldn't have ever worked anymore that way. It it, it was so, for me, the wrong approach." Well, speaking of working, were you functional during this period of time? Were you able to work as an attorney full time? I wouldn't have said that I was at my top of my game. Yeah, and people knew it too because they knew I'd gone was going through this. Do you have that extreme skin sensitivity to touch that a lot of people with post-traumatic neuralgia find so very painful. I like, I'll wear hats. It yeah. will bother it after a bit. Glasses, will, I wear glasses. I take them off a lot because I'm aware of them hitting my eye. At one point, my eye, right eyebrow fell out into my hands, which... Anyway, Your eyebrow? Eyebrow, whole thing, hair on it. It was like, Peter, come in and look at this. Um, but well, it so regrew. It, it, sounds, it looks hmm? like it regrew. It did come back. It did not not as full and <laughs> nicely as it did before. But so I I realized I'm lucky that I don't because I've heard of people with such skin sensitivity. And so yeah. really, I don't have to bother putting a lot of stuff on top of my head. This part that surprised me is the quadrant where the shingles occurred on the outside is numb. Mm-hmm. So if you were to lightly run your fingers, I and I had my eyes closed, I probably couldn't tell that you were. Mm-hmm. Put a little bit of pressure on it, and it's like, oh, my God. How about water or shower water, for example? No, it feels good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, I think that's temperature, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean hot versus cold water? Mm-hmm. Which, which can't you tolerate? Or you can tolerate both of them? I can tolerate both. Cold feels good. Mm. How much pain relief do you have from the medications you're taking? On the one hand, I'd tell you none. And the reason I say that is because it hurts all day long until I tried to phase down some of the, because I'm on three medications, mm-hmm. um, and it hurts so intensely that it, it was disheartening because then I realized, oh my God, it really hurts in such a fashion that I don't think I could have functioned with it. I don't think I could have distracted myself away from it. Which medications are you on now? I'm on Lyrica, Trileptol, and Tramadol. Looking at you today, it would be pretty tough to imagine that you have chronic pain. Do people realize, I mean, do they think or notice that you have post-traumatic neuralgia? No. That you have chronic pain? No. The, the, what are the ones I call the lightning strikes, which is this bolt of pain shoots through the head such that sometimes it's banged me into a wall. I mean, it mm-hmm. can be very brief, gone. Um, and if someone sees that, they want to know that you're not drunk. <laughs> would prefer that right. it's chronic pain. Um, but so far, one of the things that has helped for me is to try to keep a good sense of humor about it. And, and How do you think that helps you? Because you have a fantastic sense of humor. And, and how do you feel like that really helps, um, I guess, distract you or reduce the pain? In my head, it just, I think, puts it a little bit more in perspective. I don't spend a lot of time sitting around going, poor me. <laughs> that and distraction. 
my partner and I started a new law firm mm -hmm. when this shortly after this happened. It has turned out to be some of the best medicine for me hmm. because I keep very busy and very engaged. And there's there are days where I'll get there, and when I leave, I go, I didn't realize my head hurt all day. Did you get the shingles vaccine? I did not get it beforehand. I didn't know it existed beforehand. Um, heard about the, the went down to the drugstore in GBMC, the hospital, and they had a sign that said, you know, we have the uh, shingles vaccine. And I walked up to the counter and I said, would you like me, because I look really awful, to stand next to your sign, I guarantee you'll sell out <laughs> in a matter of You're minutes. You're right. You're right. And it, the irony was everyone I saw, the, the pharmacy people, the doctor, the staff in the doctor's office, my office, clients, they took a look at me and ran out and got it. Mm. It's, it's with me every minute of every day. I have said to Peter sometimes, I just want one day off a week. Mm -hmm. Free of pain. Yeah. I mean, a lot of, again, the sense of humor glosses over. If I dig down deeper, it's something, it's really awful because you just can't avoid it. Well, Hacky, thank you very much for sharing your story with us. You're very welcome. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Endo Pharmaceuticals, a U.S.-based specialty healthcare solutions company that delivers innovative diagnostics, drugs, devices, and clinical data to meet the needs of patients in areas such as pain, urology, oncology, and endocrinology. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Dr. Michael Oxman is a professor of medicine and pathology at the University of California, San Diego. He's also a staff physician in the infectious disease section at the Veterans Administration Medical Center in San Diego. He's the author of close to 150 publications on virology and infectious disease. Dr. Oxman specializes in the study of viral diseases, specifically herpes zoster, commonly known as shingles, as well as post-herpetic neuralgia. Dr. Oxman, welcome to Aches and Gains. Well, thank you. Dr. Oxman, what is shingles? Shingles all begins with chickenpox because in contrast to many other infections we're used to like measles or mumps where you get infected, you get rid of the virus with your immune system and you're subsequently immune and the virus isn't in you. When you get chickenpox, the virus travels up the nerve to the nerve cell bodies which are uh, clustered in, in little nubbins on either side of your spinal cord and each of them gives off nerves that uh, mediates the sensation in the skin in a band from the middle and front around on that side to the middle of the back. All of us who had chickenpox have the, the virus that causes it called varicella zoster virus or chickenpox shingles virus uh, sleeping or latent in the nerve cells in our sensory ganglia, basically at all levels of the body. Okay. And Mike, who's at risk for development of shingles? If you're immunosuppressed by disease or treatment, which reduces that cell-mediated immunity, the chances of the virus waking up, multiplying in the ganglion cells, and then coming back down the nerve and causing a rash like chickenpox, but just in the dermatome, increases. Now, we also know that in perfectly normal people, uh, that cell-mediated immunity gradually decreases over time. So as you get older, the incidence and severity, for that matter, of shingles increases with increasing age. At about age 60, the risk is 
1% per year. Mm. So one person in 100 every year uh, who's perfectly otherwise perfectly healthy uh, will develop herpes zoster. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. When we return, we'll ask Dr. Oxman what happens when shingles becomes post-herpetic neuralgia. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Neurogesics, a biopharmaceutical company focused on developing and commercializing novel pain management therapies. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at DRPaulCristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. And we're back speaking with Dr. Michael Oxman about the transition from shingles to post-herpetic neuralgia. When, when the virus wakes up, it kills a lot of nerve cells. It causes hemorrhage and, and then it comes back down the nerve and causes uh, a rash which is confined, just like chickenpox, but instead of being scattered throughout the body, it's just confined to that region of skin on one side in one area that's given sensation by the nerve from the ganglia in which the virus woke up. Well, that usually heals in three to four weeks. Uh-huh. And uh, really, that's usually tolerable. What makes it intolerable is the pain. And the pain is, is caused by largely by the damage that the virus did to the, the, the nerves and the nerve cells. And that's called post-herpetic neuralgia. There are more than a million new cases of shingles every year and probably uh, more than 50,000 new cases of post-herpetic neuralgia. And, and Dr. Oxman, what's the most distressing sensation from post-herpetic neuralgia? The typical story is someone gets post-herpetic neuralgia. They were active. They drove all over the place. They played tennis. They quit playing tennis. They're taking opioids like uh, uh, Vicodin uh, to deal with the pain, which prevents them from driving. Mm -hmm. They become isolated, and they eventually go into a nursing home or an assisted living facility when they otherwise would have been happily living in their nice house and being politically active and having a wonderful time. Well, the only reliable way of preventing that from occurring is preventing herpes zoster from occurring. And, and speaking about prevention, what is the best way that we can prevent post-herpetic neuralgia from occurring? The most important thing is if you're 50 or over, and certainly if you're 60 and over, get vaccine. That's right. It's called Zostavax. But is there a risk of developing shingles or post-herpetic neuralgia from the vaccine? What we demonstrated is that the vaccine doesn't provoke shingles, doesn't wake up the virus, and secondly, it doesn't cause shingles. And Dr. Oxman, in addition to distraction that can be an effective treatment for post-herpetic neuralgia, what particular medicines are useful? The most effective treatments, uh, which are about comparable, yeah. they are tricyclic antidepressants like nortriptyline and gabapentin, uh, neurontin. The gabapentin has fewer side effects than the tricyclic antidepressants. So that's my first choice. Now, there are two of those. One is gabapentin, which has a brand name of Neurontin, and the other is pregabalin, which has the brand name of Lyrica. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is sponsored by Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. 
If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. That's achesandgains at gmail.com. And we're back. This is Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. We're speaking with Dr. Michael Oxman. And, and before we close, Dr. Oxman, what is your experience using the lidocaine or the lidoderm patch? It's very effective in areas where you can use it. You can't use it until the rash is healed, and you can't use it over your eye, obviously. It is, I am told, expensive, and perhaps because of the adhesive, quite a number of people eventually develop some local allergic responses to it. Dr. Oxman, thank you very much for joining us today. You're very welcome. Tune in next time when we explore another interesting topic on Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. If you have questions or comments for Dr. Christo, especially for upcoming shows, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. Here we have a question from Ahmed in Dearborn, Michigan. Dr. Christo, can you discuss non-drug therapies for cancer pain? Sure. Uh, Ahmed, depending on the location of the cancer, there are procedures that help treat bone collapse in the spine called vertebroplasty or kyphoplasty, radiofrequency tumor ablation therapies, which uh, attempt to destroy the cancers located in organs like the liver, uh, the pancreas, the kidneys, or, or the pelvic region. Surgery is an option. Radiotherapy, which is uh, effectively radiation therapy. Chemotherapy and even antibiotics can reduce pain in cases of infection or abscesses. Pain-specific procedures are those like uh, epidural steroid injections, intrathecal injections or infusions, which is where we place a small tube in the fluid-containing space that surrounds the spinal cord and deliver medications directly to the spinal cord for pain relief, implantation of a pain pump that contains medication which is delivered directly to the spinal cord, uh, doing certain nerve blocks of the sympathetic nervous system with a nerve destruction medicine, which is often uh, alcohol, uh, that can reduce pain in specific regions of the body for a longer period of time, and even doing uh, selective nerve blocks with local anesthetics. Here's a question from Rosa in Santa Fe, New Mexico. I was told I had a torn rotator cuff and surgery is the only option, but I hear that recovery and physical therapy is the worst. Are there any other options? Rosa, the rotator cuff consists of four muscles that hold the glenohumeral joint or the shoulder joint in place. Mild rotator cuff tendinitis can respond to anti-inflammatory medicines like Motrin, range of motion exercises, and strengthening exercises. An injection with steroid and local anesthetic into something called a bursa can shrink inflamed tissue and facilitate rehabilitation. If these treatments fail to provide sufficient relief, the arthroscopic or open surgical repair may be needed. As mentioned earlier, a careful postoperative physical therapy course is essential for good surgical results, and this also facilitates a tolerable recovery period. And this is from Naomi in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm in the process of recovering from bilateral adhesive capsulitis diagnosis. Is there a certain time frame of recovery for a condition like this? Naomi, adhesive capsulitis, or frozen shoulder, can take months to years to improve. Gentle stretching in therapy and at home is important, and be careful about aggressive stretching. If the stiffness worsens or doesn't get better, the orthopedist may consider arthroscopic release or even moving the shoulder joint under anesthesia. Arthroscopic release of the tightened capsule may be of more benefit. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo. 
and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. Aches and Gains is also available live online. Follow us on Twitter at DRPaulCristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulcristomd.com. That's paulcristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Eric Vore and Dr. Paul Christo. Ty Ford is the audio engineer, and Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.